Hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I am so glad that you chose to tune in today. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Today's episode is about overcoming doubt and how to keep going. Now be sure to stick around till the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, I want to remind you to leave those reviews. You can do it on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. I have still a ton of books to give away. I've given away several and I have more to go because I get them in the mail every single week. And I would love to bless some of you all with those. So to enter, you can do that either by tagging me on social media, just sharing a post, or you can leave a review, screenshot it, and send it to rachel at rachelgilbert.com to be entered in that giveaway. Now, today's guest is Nika Maples. She's an author, she's a speaker, and she happens to be my personal writing coach. Now, here's a little bit of background on Nika. I'm not going to spoil all of it, but I do just want to give you a little snippet. When she was 20 years old, Nika's plan for her life, career, family, and future fell apart. She was an active sophomore in college, then suddenly was quadriplegic in the intensive care unit, having suffered a massive brain stem stroke. She could not speak, swallow, or blink. But because she could hear, she listened as the doctors warned her family that she had as little as 48 hours to live. Can you even imagine? I can't imagine this at all. Now, I'm going to let Nika tell you how the story ended in today's episode. Obviously, that was not the case. She lived much longer than that 48 hours. So Nika is an encourager and a coach at heart. Help me welcome her to the show as she reminds us to keep going. Well, hello, Nika, and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be with you, Rachel. I'm excited to introduce the listeners to you. Before we jump into what we're going to talk about, I like to ask my guests, what is something random? It could be a random fact, a fun fact about you that we wouldn't have read on your professional bio. A fun fact is that I don't like watermelon. People think I'm crazy, but... I don't know. I to me, it's like a sponge. I'm like, why would I eat a wet sponge? Oh, that's wow. a fa- fun little known fact. Wow, that is that. I don't know if I've ever met a non-watermelon eater. I know. I hear it all the time. They're like, how could you not like watermelon? It's so refreshing. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll go with you there. I can't eat pineapple. I like the taste of it, but it burns my mouth, the acidity. Ew, I know. <laughs> oh my, I'm sure the listeners are like, okay, we're talking about <laughs> fun stuff today. Um, <laughs> all right, so I was trying to remember the first time I heard you speak. I believe it was at Pink Impact. You were my favorite speaker. How many years ago was that that you spoke there? Do you know? Uh, it was the spring of 2018. Okay. Wow, that feels like a decade a ago. Long, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> Only three years ago. That was my first introduction, official introduction to you. And then from there, I 
followed you online, and then I got to hear you speak at Declare. So the Lord has just continued to bring you into my life. Um, and I am going to share the li- with the listeners a little later in the show how you and I are working together right now. But before I do that, I would love, so I have had the privilege of hearing your story because I've got to hear you speak and I've got to read your work and things like that. But for the people listening who maybe have not heard your story of um, how you had a stroke at the age of 20, I would love for you just to share anything about that that you'd love to share. Yeah. um, When I was 20 years old, like you said, I had a massive brainstem stroke that left me completely quadriplegic. I was in the intensive care unit for 10 days, totally unresponsive, but I was listening and I was totally present. The doctors would do the traditional things like stick my, the bottoms of my feet, my fingers with a pin and say, can you feel this? Of course I could feel it. I just couldn't tell them that I could feel it. Or they would squeeze my hand and say, can you feel this? Or can you hear me? And I could hear them. I could feel it. I just couldn't tell them. So um, that was a crisis in my life that absolutely shifted my view of the Lord, because I can tell you that in that time where I felt completely alone, I wasn't alone. It's such um, a magnificent thing to experience. And though a lot of us would have those kind of traumatic things in our lives in all kinds of ways, and we wouldn't want to do them again. There's such a sweetness that comes with how the Lord's presence ministers to you during those times of loss or trauma that we also, though we wouldn't do it again, we wouldn't trade the experience of getting to know him as a healer, as a comforter, and as a deeper friend. Yeah. Okay. So then what came of that? Obviously you're no longer paralyzed. So how long were you there? How'd you, how, what was that piece of the story? Yeah. Um, Doctor said that I would never walk again or, and I was, blind at the time in a sense because my pupils were not working together in tandem so even though I could see I would see one side of the room or the other side of the room and nothing in between and so that was not working and they said you're never going to see again properly you're never going to be able to walk or talk and um, I just my, my mother did not believe that she just said we'll wait and see there's no reason to believe it right now we have a great physician and we're going to pray, pray to him and ask him for his word for Nika. And we're just going to believe that instead. And thank you. You know, she was not rude or dismissive of the doctors, but she was like, this is information, but it's not a proclamation Mm. about her life. And so we just moved forward as if we had hope and a future. And they even at one time told my parents that, I would need to live in a nursing home, like in assisted living for the rest of my life at 20 years old. And my mother was like, no, I'm not going to take steps to move toward that yet. You know, we're just going to wait and see. And I'm so glad she did because it was about two months in a rehabilitation hospital that I was starting to have some progress. Um, I could lift my head. I could use my hands to write a word or two and maybe like in a shaky way, bring a fork and food to my mouth and those kinds of things. And I left the hospital still unable to walk, but I would say within about six months later and some outpatient therapy, I was able to stand and walk. And today I still have a a significant mobility limitations. I walk with a cane, but I mean, 
I can stand for long periods of time. I can walk, you know, where I usually want to go, regular daily tasks, shopping or whatever. And um, my speech has returned. My upper body strength and hands have returned. And it's truly a miracle. Yeah, it is just amazing to me. I, I remember it left such an impact on me when I heard you speak. And then now that I get to work with you closely, it just so amazing to see where the enemy tried to come in and take something. Not only did the Lord uh, not let him do that, but then now you're using your voice and you're using your words to get other people like myself and like the podcast listeners to step into their calling. I mean, that's just, it's a miracle on so many levels. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he, when, when God has a plan, nothing can thwart it. Mm. Nothing. Mm -hmm. You said a statement a second ago that it was information, not a proclamation. Mm -hmm. How can, if a listener is listening and maybe they can't relate to, they may haven't had a stroke, but it, like you said, everybody has some, a lot of times we'll walk through traumatic experiences that we're given really bad information <laughs> or a prognosis or, you know, an outcome that could happen. How can they take that information and instead take, make it a proclamation of what the Lord has to say about that situation? Mm -hmm. Well, we just bring it all to, to the Lord. I mean, I can't even think of the specific location in the Bible right now, but um, there were so many kings who, when they had faced a battle, um, would say, okay, well, I'm just going to bring this before the Lord. And they would just bring it to his throne in prayer. They would lay it out like, here's the situation and here's the threat. Here it is, God, what do we do? Uh, Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat, I mean, those kings, David, of course, laid it out before the Lord and said, what do we do? And I think for a Christian, what we think sometimes is that we either have to just go with it. I mean, like somebody is a doctor or some there's something that has been spoken over us and we have to just go with it. Like those are the facts or we think, well, if we're really listening to God, then we're just totally going to dismiss it. And I don't think either one of those is the best way to be. The best way is to say, okay, well, here are the facts as I know them right now, but you know, the facts of the future, God. So I'm going to lay this out before you right now. This is what we have in the present. We have a cancer diagnosis. This is what we have in the present. We have like, marital infidelity. What do we do here, God? What is the prognosis that you, the great physician, speak over our lives? Because we don't want to let earthly wisdom be the only place we go. Yeah, that's such a great encouragement. Now for people listening, so we're not spending the entire episode today talking about your uh, story in this miracle. I, I wanted them to at least hear about it. But if they're listening and they're like, okay, I really wish you would have talked more about that. You've written a book on your story, right? Yes, yes. Um, and my memoir is called 12 Clean Pages. Okay. And you can find it anywhere. If you Google Nika Maples, you're going to find 12 Clean Pages. And um, it takes the, the reader through my stroke and then recovery and um, how I became Texas Teacher of the Year, because that was not something I was expecting. I mean, to go from an ICU bed to this Texas state capital, that that's something God, God not only restored my speech, but he gave me a platform to use it. And so that is kind of like the, 
the spine of that novel. I mean, that book is not a novel, it's a memoir, but that's the spine of that book. And I think it would be encouraging to anyone who believes that they've hit a dead end. There's no such thing in God's kingdom. Today's episode is brought to you by Joymail, the monthly newsletter I release that's full of resources that deliver a little joy and practical action steps into your inbox and life. To sign up, simply head to rachelgilbert.com Click the Start Here tab and sign up for the newsletter right there. Now, you a big life message for you, and I know your course name is this, and you, you speak on this a lot about keep going. Is that where the heart for that came from, like your own story, or, or have you always had that kind of heart and gift of encouragement? I do. I know that my spiritual gift is exhortation. I encourage people to take action. That's what exhortation is, is encouraging others to take action. And that is my spiritual gift. I realized that at one point and I, I was like, I see that showing up. That's what I love to do. That's what I live to do. That's what the Holy Spirit's work in me is. And um, along the way, I just kept hearing this phrase in my heart, keep going, keep going. And I knew that that was going to be um, kind of a, a message that God wanted me to embed in all of the things that I do. So when I was really speaking in a lot for ed educational groups and teachers, I was just saying, you know, keep going, keep going. I wrote a devo devotional book for teachers called keep teaching. And now that I focus more on writers and helping Christians write their first book, keep going has translated into keep writing mm. because so many Christians feel God's call on their heart to write a book, but they just start and stop, start and stop, or they get confused or overwhelmed. And I, I love to show them how to keep going, keep writing. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, this is what I was going to share with the listeners. Most of my listeners know, unless they're new here, that I'm writing my first book. And the Lord led me to work with you as my coach as I do that. And I've just learned so much about mindset working with you. So I want to jump into that because I think that is such a powerful topic that, you know, when you think about this phrase of keep going, a lot of times it's really our mind that makes us want to stop, right? Would you say? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the common limiting beliefs that you've seen working with women on their mindset? Well, some common things that people think is that they don't have enough time that they don't have enough money to do the things they want to do, that they don't have enough skill or ability. And all of those things just come, they just, all the thoughts of, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, or I don't have enough skill or ability, that just generates overwhelm. When you, when you think you don't have enough time, you constantly feel behind. Well, that's not a godly mindset because there is no such thing as being behind with an eternal God. So it's kind of like focusing so much on the temporary that we forget the, the God who is an infinite God and that he, he can use you and, and help you along the path at any point that your age has nothing to do with it. And then uh, I'm, like I said, so many feel limited by money. I, I, I won't have enough money to do this all the time. People say that I think, Money is just a tool. That's like saying, I don't have enough shovels to dig this hole. You only need one. 
You need one shovel to dig a hole, but we elevate money in this as, as if something that would actually stop us from doing something. I never, ever, ever think of money as an obstacle. It's not, it's never an obstacle. And it doesn't mean that there haven't been times where I have not had the funds in my bank account that would have made something quickly possible. I just never use it as an excuse because I think of money as a tool and the God of all creation who creates everything we need, every resource we need. I heard somebody say um, recently, God is the only source. Everything else is a resource. And so how dare we say that something is an obstacle? Money's just a tool. And I say, God, you want me to dig this hole? You want me to create this thing? Give me the shovel. Give me the tool I need. And he will provide exactly what, what I need to get it done. So that's another thing is people who see time as an obstacle, people who see money as an obstacle, neither one are an obstacle. And then the, the ability um, and the skill. People think, you know, I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm confused. When we think when, when we even say the words, I don't know, it disconnects us from the divine wisdom that God is giving us. His Holy Spirit lives in us. And so he is constantly speaking truth and increasing our wisdom. It, the word t- tells us his divine power has given us everything we need, everything we need for life and godliness by our knowledge of him who calls us. And if you feel an urge to write a book that didn't come out of nowhere, I promise you there are hundreds of thousands of people that never feel an interest at all in writing a book. The ones who do it's because they have a story to tell and the Lord is prompting them to tell it. And so he's going to give you the ability to do it. Don't say, I don't know. I mean, choose another phrase to recalibrate your mind, to be in alignment with God's wisdom, simple ways to recalibrate your mind when you feel confused or you want to say, I don't know, are simple phrases like uh, God is helping me figure this out. So when you're tempted to say, I don't know what to do next, don't indulge in that, that concept. Just say, God is helping me figure this out or um, I, I'm, I'm getting exactly, I'm getting where I need to go with this, or it's becoming clearer by the minute. I mean, I say those kinds of things and it's not untrue. It's not saying, I, you know, I currently am in, in place of total clarity with this. Um, when you feel some confusion or some, I don't know what to do next kind of feelings, we just submit that to the Lord and be like, Yeah, but he knows the exact next steps. So I'm plugging into what he's saying about this project. I'm not letting it stop with what I already know. He's the one, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And his thoughts that are so much higher than my thoughts are available to me. That's the part that people don't understand or believe is that, yeah, we only know so much, and his thoughts are higher than ours, but they're available to us. I think that's one of my favorite things that you have been able to do for me, and then even you're doing it right now for the listeners, is taking a phrase, like you said, I don't know, and flipping the script on it. And I'm so glad that you brought up the point about it doesn't mean that I have the answer, but it means that I'm connecting to the one who does. Because I have seen that to be a very big disconnect when you talk about 
reframing your thoughts. A lot of people, I've heard women say this to me even before in counseling type stuff of, well, what if I don't believe that thought? You know, like what if, and honestly, if you're just relying on yourself and your own strength, yeah, it's probably going to be kind of hard to believe a thought because yeah, in my own strength, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I love that piece of, but I do know the one who has all the answers. And that is so comforting. I remember one of the coaching things you did with me one time was I was having a freak out moment. Nika's got to see me have lots of freak out moments, by the way, behind the (laughs) scenes. So she knows she can attest that I'm not always calm, cool and collected. Um, But uh, I there was a problem, right, that I was viewing as a problem. And you said something to me that was basically something to the effect of, well, if we look at things, if we look at the world through the lens that God works all things together for good, then why is this a problem, right? And like you've said that phrase to me so many times of it's not a problem and it's not a problem. And I can't tell you the number of times I have said that it's not a problem. And it really does flip your view of things because it makes you go, God's got this. Like, is it the way I figured it was going to play out? No, you know, like it wasn't, this wasn't what I had envisioned. But if I truly believe that God works all things together for good, and there's nothing that's too big for him, uh, then it's not a problem. And so I just love that reframing, just that little flip of the words, you know, just brings peace. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So another thing that you've taught me in coaching that I wanted to hang out on today is I've told this to many people just in one-on-one conversations and they're always like, wow, that's so good. Is you said something to me, you said discomfort is the price of admission to taking new territory. Let's talk about discomfort for a little bit because nobody likes to be uncomfortable. I've never met anybody who likes being uncomfortable. (laughs) So how do we get through that (laughs) rather than tiptoeing around? (laughs) Yeah. And, and and the first part, I, I really felt like God just revealed the, those two little phrases to me. Because the first part of that phrase that I always say is um, doubt means that I'm entering new territory mm. and discomfort is the price of admission. And um, that is the reason I believe the Lord like helps me find those two phrases to share with people and to definitely believe myself is because when we, when doubt comes up for us, we think it means we're not meant to do something, but everyone in the, in the Bible, especially the old Testament, we see people constantly encountering doubt, but but the unifying factor in all of the stories is that the doubt came right before the breakthrough. And if they had made it mean they were going in the wrong direction, then they wouldn't have conquered all of this new territory for the kingdom of God. So doubt all I said, realize doubt has to mean you're entering new territory. It's something new. It's something you've never done before. The unknown always brings up doubt. How could we possibly know what to do here? We've never seen this land before. So, and then the discomfort um, is the price of admission. The thing that, that I see is that, Every dream we have is on the other side of discomfort, but we feel so leery of stepping out of our comfort zone because what all of the things that could go wrong and the main thing that could go wrong outside of our discomfort zone is failure. But we're saying, we tell ourselves that failure is a problem. And just like you said a moment ago, what if failure is not a problem? I had, I had two businesses last year that 
or thriving. And then one of them, just, it, it was a disaster. It totally failed. It was a financial catastrophe in a sense with that particular business. I had to shut it down. And for anyone who's had a business failure, there, it's so complex. It really eats away at your self-esteem if you let it because you're having to do all this paperwork and humble yourself in front of people who make decisions. And I don't know, it just felt like a humiliation. But I tell you what, the discomfort of walking through that absolutely unleashed a a more fruitful season, a five times more fruitful season in the other business. And I believe that being willing to say, okay, this failure is not a problem. This failure is actually something God is going to use for my good. It unlocked the fruitfulness that God was wanting to give me in the other business. But if I had stayed in this mental state of this is such a problem, this is so embarrassing, this means I'm not cut out for business, this means and and made all the discomfort of a failure mean that I was going in the wrong direction, then I would have not become um, available for the fruitfulness that God intended for me. And if you look, like I said, every story of the Old Testament, start looking for the discomfort that people felt. It was like the discomfort casts us upon his comforting arms because that's the only place we find comfort in a true situation of failure. And I'm speaking to people who have experienced relationship disasters, financial disasters, um, medical disasters, all of those hurricanes that visit their lives, they know, I know that there are listeners right now who may have tears streaming down their faces because the Lord is reminding them that his arms are a place of comfort even now, even while the wind is whipping about. The discomfort around you is the price of admission to the new season of fruitfulness that, that he has for you. And you will find that season of fruitfulness in his arms. There is something that he wants to teach you about his character right now in the darkness of your situation. And so we don't push away discomfort. We don't label it as the end of our lives or the dead end of our dreams. We just say, this is this is the price of admission, not because God requires it of us uh, to suffer, but a lot of times suffering produces what's next because we meet Jesus in a new way. All right. You just gave a prophetic word to some people. And I, I just wanted to pause before I bring a new question in and let the listeners kind of sit with that because that was that was anointed and somebody needed to hear that. Uh, especially there's somebody listening that you are wrestling with doubt, defeat, discouragement. You're thinking of quitting. Maybe you already did quit. I don't know. But Nika, what would you say to that person listening who is the one with the tears streaming down her face right now saying, she's talking to me. Oh my goodness. What would, what would be a word of encouragement to her? Well, I feel like the Lord's bringing to me the verse that says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Mm. The bottom line of that verse is faith is God's pleasure. We try to please him with works and that's not what he wants. 
We try to please him with our own perfection. That's not what he wants. We try to please him with getting things right, with being a certain way. That's not what he wants. His pleasure is faith. Mm. So to anyone who feels like they've fallen face down, realize it's when we're face down that we, we can experience the greatest faith in our lives because it's absolutely not what we're doing (laughs) that's going to see us through. If we're face down in grief or loss or failure or defeat, whatever it is, face down is a position of being prostrate. It's We may not have chosen it, but we're choosing it now. And falling on him in faith, Lord, you're the only one that's going to get me out of this. I mean, (laughs) you're the only one who can, you're the only one who will. That faith brings him great pleasure. And you don't have to be anything other than you are right now. Just be content to let him lead. And in the fullness of time, things will change. As you were talking, I wrote the phrase, face down faith. That like really speaks to me. I'm like, wow. Uh, recently, Hebrews 11 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And I, re- I have been drawn to the fact that 11 times it says the phrase by faith in one chapter. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. Um, and just that faith. Ugh, it's so encouraging to read those people in the Bible who by faith, they did this by faith. And it was just like you said, taking new territory, moving forward, even when things just did not make sense to them. Oh my goodness, I'm loving loving this encouragement so much. Um, all right, so we are getting towards the end, but I want to make sure we get to talk about the difference you talk about between self-confidence and God confidence. Can we talk about that just for a little bit? Yeah. Where self-confidence comes from is this looking at this history, your own history, um, and saying, well, I was able to do this, I was not able to do this, and we feel confident in areas where we calculated the tally marks of things that we were able to do. And then we feel self-confident that we would be able to carry out something. But um, like I've been keep referring to these ancient stories of people who believed in God and trusted him for the next thing he had for them. None of those people in the old Testament had ever done these specific things before whatever God asked them to do, they had not done it before. So they had no self-confidence. No one couldn't be like, Oh yeah, I totally, I build boats all the time. Gigantic ones all the time. I mean, Noah didn't say that he had no self-confidence that he could build a boat that was going to withstand um, this torrential downpour. You think of Esther, she, oh, I'm totally royal, royal down to the bones. I mean, I I know how to handle this queen thing. I've done it before. Check, check, check every box, self-confidence galore. Let me just go ahead and the throne room. I mean, there's not a single person that had a history of having done the thing that God asked them to do. There was no reason they would even be think they could do it. But God confidence is saying, if he asked me to do it, then he's planning to empower me to do it. He's not a cruel God. 
He's not cruel. He's not going to say, I know you've never done this before. Let me just watch you squirm. Let me watch you try to do something on your own that you've met that's so huge. You, there's no way you're going to figure it out. I'm going to laugh at that. He's not like that, but people talk about it as if that's he, what he's doing. Like he's called me to write a book, but I mean, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And they're just thinking that he's like got his arms folded in heaven and like figure it out. No, he's not. He, this is the guy who says, who said to Noah, listen, I'm telling you to do this. I'm going to empower you to do it. Hey, Esther, I'm telling you to do this. I'm going to empower you to do it. Moses, I'm telling you to do this. I'm going to empower you to do it. And that's the same God is doing that for you right now. I'm asking you to do this and I'm going to empower you to do it. But what we do is stay in our humanness. Like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to have enough time. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to have enough money. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to have enough skill to get this done. I don't have what it takes. And they compare themselves where they are now with Beth Moore or Priscilla Shirer or all these other women who have written Bible studies and devotionals and all of these magnificent pieces of writing. And they compare themselves right now with those women that have been doing it for 30 years. That's not an accurate comparison. I mean, you know, first of all, it's not even apples to apples. Your first book, you don't need to be saying, putting yourself up against Beth Moore, who's written 40 books. But at the same time, the same God is empowering you both. So if you want to compare yourself to her, compare yourself on that level. Wow. If she can do it, I can, because we have the same God. Mm. He's going to empower us both. So you don't have to look at her and say, am I as good as her? I, I bring this up because this is what I hear all the time, but I'm just not as good as so-and-so. And they, people fill in the blank with their favorite author. And I'm like, you're taking the human perspective. You're looking at what they're doing right now compared to where you are right now. The, the real thing you need to do in, in comparing is you both have the same God. So you're toe to toe. Jesus died for both of you and he will empower both of you. The Holy spirit lives in both of you. Like all things are possible for her and for you. And there's no lack in the kingdom. I love no. that. God can put, pour out that same power to all of us and still have leftovers. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. All right. Well, if you guys can't tell, Everything that Nika shares, like the Lord just bubbles out of you. Um, I could ask you, you know, if you saw behind me, I have a white wall behind me and I could say, Nika, can you help me make something beautiful out of this white wall? And you would like you just it just flows out of you and you can tell that's the Holy Spirit and that's Jesus just bubbling out of you. So I would love for the listeners to know what things you have coming up where because listeners, I just wanted to say a word to you from me. I think some of you are called to write books. And so we're going to speak to that. And then I think some of you, maybe you're like Nika said, not everybody feels that call, but I still want you to sit under Nika's teaching and authority because she's still going to bring some just amazing truth and encouragement into your world. So Nika, tell us about what you have coming up um, right now, specifically for writers. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there are two ways to work with me. The first is 
I have a course called the keep writing course. It launches I, the next, it launches about twice a year and the next launch is going to be at the end of October. So go to nikamaples.com and you can click on courses or you can click on first book fundamentals at the, there's a banner at the top of the page. Either one will enter you and register you in my five day boot camp. I'm having a boot camp for writers, five first book fundamentals to show you, what you need to get settled in your heart and your spirit in order to get started. Um, and my course, of course, opens at the end of that. It's been a life changer for a lot of writers who a year ago had never written a word right now. Some of them have books published. Some of them are about to publish them. It's just been amazing. So if you're a writer, that's one way to work with me is to join my keep writing course, go to nikamaples.com to do that. And then I also do one-on-one -on -one coaching Right now, I work a lot with writers, but I also have a lot of people who are not writers, and they're just like, I just want the coaching. I want um, someone to speak life over the things that God has put in my life. I work with pastors. Uh, I have a real estate agent that I work with. I work with um, stay-at-home moms. So, so many different people that feel God putting something on their heart, and um, they just come to me to, to be able to stay in God's calling instead of stepping into their own confusion or their own fear. It's like having someone who's always in your corner once a week to be like, wait, do you notice that you're kind of like stepping off the path of who God's saying you are? Let's get back over there. Let's get back over to who God says you are. So if you want to work with me as a one-on-one -on -one coach, um, go to NikaMaples.com and click on private coaching. Perfect. Yeah. And I do work with Nika one-on-one uh, -on -one, and I'm going through your course. Both are amazing. And I do feel like that's a gift you have because you're an encourager, but you also, um, you do confront too, but because you're an encourager, the confrontation doesn't feel scary. If that makes sense. Like, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm in trouble. It's more like lovingly redirecting, bringing them back on track and call, you know, everything. So yeah, definitely check out those resources. And then, um, you have a podcast as well, right? Yes. It's called keep writing podcast. Okay. And, um, I, I think there's something there for, even if someone's not a writer, there's, there's encouragement there. Yes. And then do you like to hang out anywhere on social media outlets or? Yeah. I'm Nika Maples everywhere. So on Facebook, Nika Maples on Instagram, Nika Maples. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Awesome. And all of these links will be in today's show notes. Well, Nika, thank you again for taking time to come on the show, but also just to encourage the listeners. I really feel like there were some golden nuggets in there that are just going to bring some breakthrough and I cannot wait for them to meet you. Thank you so much. Can I, can I close with a prayer of blessing over writers? Yes, please. Okay. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I ask you to anoint and appoint brand new writers right now in the name of Jesus. Within the sound of my voice, I pray that you would draw out the people that, that need to take a step right now into believing that you have a plan for them and a good purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, it's time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show that we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. 
I feel like a big theme that we discussed in today's show with Nika was all about our thoughts. I know in my time working with her, we have done a lot of deep thought work. And if you've listened to my show very long, you know that as a counselor, one of the approaches I personally love is called cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's really just taking a deep look at the thoughts that we're thinking and how they're affecting our lives. And I want to talk about a couple of things that are extremely practical that you can just do on your own and become aware of. And here's the first thing that I want to tell you about. I want to first, even though, yes, I'm a counselor, first and foremost, I am a Bible-loving Jesus girl. And I love to look at what the Bible has to say about taking our thoughts captive. In fact, in my book that I'm writing, I write an entire chapter on thoughts because I really, I would not be a bit surprised to see me in the future write a whole book on thoughts because I believe so much in the power of our thoughts. And I write about this word captive. I think it's extremely interesting that the Lord tells us to take our thoughts captive. He doesn't say, why don't you look at your thoughts or you know, sit down with your thoughts and think about your thoughts. Like captive is a strong word and he tells us to take them captive. So if you think about taking something or someone captive, like a prisoner of war, you don't just set it into timeout. You don't even just lock it away. You actually interrogate it and you see, where did this come from? Tell me who you work for and where did you come from? So I'm all about doing that with thoughts, and I want us to do that today. So now let me put on my counselor hat for a second and just tell you this. I've said this before on the show, and you're going to hear a lot from me because I believe in it so much, and it's really the foundation for cognitive behavioral therapy, and it's this. Our thoughts affect our feelings, and our feelings affect our behaviors. This is why simply behavior modification doesn't usually work because Uh, you didn't eliminate the root cause. A lot of times if you just approach, like let's talk about, you know, when people think that they need to lose weight or they need to stop eating so many sweets or something like that. If you just try to deal with the behavior, you'll usually just do a replacement for that behavior. So you'll substitute, go, you know what? I'm no longer eating sweets every night, but now I'm scrolling Instagram for hours on end, right? Like we kind of just substitute behavior. So I'm all for, let's go after that thought. So let me leave you with this today. What's a thought that God's calling you to take captive? One thought, please. We've discussed this before. I need you to go after one thought at a time. Now, what feeling does that thought activate? And then finally, what behavior is following? Now, again, I always have to give my disclaimer. I'm not your counselor. These little segments, we call them psychoeducation. I'm educating you on some mental health type stuff. You need to have your own counselor who's helping you to maybe sit down and go through these things. If you're dealing with something that maybe is a small thing or not trauma-based or anything like that, you absolutely can do this on your own. But if something really big and heavy came up for you today, I want to encourage you to seek wise counsel on that, okay? Well, that concludes our Get Real Practical segment for today. I pray this Real Talk episode brought you at least one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.